Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. I am your co-host, Ryan Cabrera, and I am in the beautiful Studio B again with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor this Nick. This is great. Oh, man, it is great. And so welcome, everybody, to Christians with Torah. I thank you so much for being here with us today. I'll tell you what, the, uh, the Word of God is amazing. It just is. And the more and more I read it, uh, I find new things every time. And that to me is amazing, that it's like alive and it's living and that I can read something over and over and over again. And then somebody just brings something out to me and, hey, what did you ever think about it this way? And I'm like, no, I never saw it like that before. Yeah, that's you know? true. Little things like that. That's why The Chosen is so good. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and seeing things from other people's perspective, because we can get into an echo chamber, especially within the Hebrew roots, right? Like, oh, right. this is supposed to be interpreted this way, you know? And it's not always the case, you know? There's there's more than one way this to look true. at things. Um, and I think God intends it that way, because he knew he was going to be bringing people from all over the world, from different nations, from every tribe and tongue together. We just had Pentecost, right? Shavuot. We did. This past weekend. And um, what an awesome service we had here at Beit Tehillah. And I know that people all over the world on Sunday had great services for Pentecost Sunday. I bet the Pentecostal churches were hopping on Sunday. Yeah. You know, I mean, just, that were lit. What, 50 churches met at Steinbrenner Field? Right. I went to an event uh, here in Tampa where um, you know, they, they basically, there's a heart here in Tampa to get all the churches together. And like all the pastors that were speaking and praying were talking about how they're a pastor for the Church of Tampa Bay. They weren't even telling the name of their church. You know, just uh, uh, a way to just say, hey, look, we're all here together as one unified body of Christ. It's good. It was good. It is good because, you know, we can put aside the differences and focus on Yeshua, That's which right. I, I think is a, a good positive thing. And so for those of you guys that are here for the first time, Christians with Torah is what it sounds like. We're Christians. We believe in Yeshua, Jesus Christ. We believe he's the Messiah, the Son of God. We believe he is God. And we also believe that the, the Bible is relevant for today, all the way from Genesis to Maps and that the Torah is relevant to believers' lives and is used for everything that the rest of the Word of God is used for. That's good. Praise God. So we've been studying the Torah portions over the past few years, and so if you guys are interested in Torah portions specifically and you're looking for Torah teachings, we've got four years where we did the entire Torah. Seasons one through four, yeah. Right, seasons one through four. So go back and listen to those if you want to find something specific in there, some commentary on specific verses, you can go and find them there. Uh, But this year we've chosen to do the Gospel of Matthew, and it has been... A fun ride. Amen. And so today we're going to be covering uh, chapter 14, verses 22 through 36. And so uh, go ahead and kick us off, Ryan. Walking on water is the title. Yeah, that's right. So uh, the first portion here is uh, verses 22 through 33. So most of the, the portion we're going to cover today, and it is titled Walking on Water. And we start out in verse 22 with uh, with this. It says, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And so this is uh, chapter 14, verse 22. And so uh, it, Yeshua had stayed back to send the multitudes away and sent the disciples on a ship to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. 
And so he's like, hey, you guys go on ahead. I'll meet you. I'll meet you. Right. Supernaturally. Well, I don't know that they knew what was going to happen. No, but I knew he already had his plans. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because if they're going this way across the water yeah. from where they were, right? he's got to go all the way around the bottom or the top to yeah. meet them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, right. Let's Unless see. he had another boat or something. You That's know? true, too. I mean, but yeah, but. I know. Strange, right? Yeah, I mean, he knows what he's doing. Well, and I'm sure that the the disciples, you know, when you watch things like The Chosen, it brings in some of that modern day reality, like of of you read a situation and you don't really think too much into the just the natural pieces of it. Yeah, how did that work? How did, how that, did right? Yeah. How did that work? How did they give out all that food? <laughs> or you know, yeah. uh, why would they leave you know Jesus on one side of the the Sea of Galilee and go to another side without him? Right. You know, or did they put up a fight about but it? But you're going to see why. You are going to see right uh, right now, actually. So it says here uh, in verse 23, And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. He was there alone. And so seeking solitude was an important priority for Yeshua. He made room in his busy schedule to be alone with the Father. Spending time with God in prayer nurtures a vital relationship with with him and equips us to meet life's challenges and struggles. Develop the discipline of spending time alone with God. When you do, don't do all the talking. Take time to keep silent and listen for what God has to say. Quick to hear and slow to speak. Yeah. Thank God he gave us two ears and one mouth. It's interesting because I was just telling you before we started that my only note from our Shavuot service was a quote from Livy Davis, and it was the question she asked. He said, she said, is God speaking to you? Can you hear his voice? That was what she asked. And I wrote that down because that's my prayer. I want to hear is God's voice. Is the road voice. that you're on leading to God? Oh, I know the road I'm on is leading to God, but I want, I want to I walk through life in a way where I'm hearing the Holy Spirit say, go this way, not that way, do this, not that. You know, where I'm in tune to the point where First off, that I'm acknowledging him. I think that's half the battle because most of the time, you know, somebody, at least with my personality, I'm a go-getter and hard charger and, you know, fast walker and a fast talker. Isn't that what you say? That's right. And uh, it's important to slow down. My wife was just telling me this morning that I need to slow down and uh, and listen, you know, for what the Lord is saying. And so um, our discussion point here is discuss how have you gone to lonely places like Yeshua to draw closer to God and speak with him? Well, I mean, I've gone into the woods for camping. Yeah. But the woods is a nice place to go to get alone. Yeah. Um, I um, go out by the pool. Ah. And the kids don't see me because they want to go swimming <laughs> because they'll be in school. And then I go out there like yeah. on a Wednesday or something. I had a season of that. But, uh, yeah, that was a lonely place out there, me in the pool. That's good. The woods, the pool, yeah. yeah. Listening to some running water, maybe. Yeah. So I, um, you know, I've in, over time, you know, being in business and entrepreneurial circles and things like that, I, I've been part of some groups of biz, Christian businessmen, you know. And one of the things that those guys talk about all the time is, you know, waking up early and seeking the Lord in the morning before everything else. Because, you know, as, as a man and a father, you know, the kids and the wife and all the responsibilities that come on me and, and work, you know, because uh, the work is never done. There's always work to do. I can always answer some more emails. I can always write some more content. I can always, you know, whatever. There's always something 
to do. But uh, waking up in the morning, I remember, you know, and I and I have seasons, kind of like you mentioned your season by the pool. I have seasons of where I do a really good job of waking up, you know, 4.35 in the morning and seeking the Lord before anything else. And then I have other times where, you know, I'm better at it at night. Um, but there's definitely, there's, you know, evidence in the Psalms of, of seeking God in the morning, first thing, giving him those first fruits of your time and and things like that, and uh, giving him also your best fruits. So, like, I think that there's also a way to consider that when you want to spend alone time with God, that it's whenever you most apt to hear him, I mean, when, most focused, you know, in your most productive time, you know. I uh, remember this song in Psalm 5. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God. For unto thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning. O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. Hallelujah. Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning. Man. Yeah. Yeah, just never, just, just crossed my mind. The morning, like you said. Yeah. Well, and that's, I think that Psalm 5. It sets up your day, you know. Um, I know that I'm more productive and I do better, you know, in that way. And there's even like now, um, you know, because everybody tries to take the things of God and they try to strip God out of it and then mimic it. You know, that's, that's um, you know, just taking taking him out of things, which is just a habit I think the world has. But they see that the things that God has ordained are good because he is the creator. Right. And so there's people that will say like, oh, do yoga in the morning or do meditate, you know, on like yogurt, like positive affirmations, like I'm good enough, I'm smart enough, you know, and gosh darn it, people like me, just do that instead of praying to the creator of the universe. I'm not a failure, I'm a success. Right. It's not, I'm listen, a son of God. Po- Those are uh, declarations. Right. Positive affirmations or declarations are not bad. They have their, their place. But what I mean by that is the, the world will take God out of it. Yeah. Right to just put in the positive affirmations for meditations in the morning and think that they're doing something. Right. Wow. I think ultimately we're going to spend eternity with him. This is true. And we have to be prepared for that. That's it. So, well, some of us are going to spend eternity with him. Yes. It will be us. God willing. Yes. All right. So here's verse 24. Uh, But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. So basically a storm had come upon the Sea of Galilee while all the disciples were on a ship and they were tossed with the waves. So it's interesting how uh, I, I've heard that, that storms can whip up very quickly on the Sea of Galilee. Interesting. Um, I think uh, Mary in our group was mentioning that last yeah, night. Yeah, the Sea of Galilee is also known as Lake T- Tiberias. Hmm. Lake Tiberias. Kinneret or Kinnereth. Harp-shaped is what it means, Kinneret. Harp-shaped. Uh-huh. The Sea of Galilee, or the or the Lake Tiberias. Tiberias was a city on the western side. Matter of fact, Tiberias was built over a cemetery. That's why the 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 Sanhedrin and the Pharisees have a hard time with it. Gotcha. Interesting. Was, now, was the Kinneret? Was that um, is that the Hebrew name for it? Yeah, I think so. Could yeah. be. I think harp shaped. 
whatever the connotation is. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, so in verse 25 it says, And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. So nothing big there, right? Just Just walking on the water. And so the Roman military divided the night into four watches of three hours each from 6 p.m. until 6 a.m. And so the fourth watch would have been uh, the hours between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. So it's the middle of the night. Yeah. Now, it's interesting to me that they were still on the sea in the middle of the night. Yeah. That, that's interesting. And so the fourth watch from 3 to 6 uh, has been a time when a lot of people will purpose to pray because Yeshua was praying before walking on the water. So Matthew 14, verses 23 through 25. So Jesus went to lonely places. Right, so he was in he was in a deserted place there, right, before getting on the Sea of Galilee to go out. Yeah. And so God exists outside the natural realm because he created it, and that is why he can walk on water. God is a spirit, and he exists in the spiritual realm. So he's not bound by time or nature. That's pretty cool. It is. That's a whole nother realm. A whole nother realm. That's a whole nother world. Well, and what an interesting um, you know, fact that even in his physical flesh, because you know we say that he's 100% God and 100% man, and this is this, this uh, paradigm that we, we, we live in when we talk about Yeshua and how that doesn't make any sense, <laughs> right? How can you be 200% something, right? And yeah. it's just not the case, right? So, but then he does things like this. And so because Yeshua walked on water, this helps prove that he is deity, that he is God. You know, the time from three to six in the morning is called the fourth watch. Uh, we went through a season of that with college and career group of people, my age, maybe a little younger, where we would meet at this church at three in the morning and pray. Wow. We had some interesting things happen, you know. No doubt. Yeah, one time I had a, like, I was on my way to the church, and I had this, like, looks like I was speaking in Asian, like tongues of Asians, you know. Wow. It was, it was pretty wild, like a like oriental kind of thing. Yeah. And it just did it, and then I got to the church. But, yeah, we had a season where we were doing that, and the, the pastor let us go into the church. We had a little, I don't know how long we did it. We did it for some time, but it was very interesting. Huh. So if you ever want to just get up and set your clock at three in the morning, pray and then go back to sleep, it's a season. But it's very interesting because like if spirits are in people and people are sleeping, the spirits are there. They can't just go meander around. They're assigned. Interesting. Like as a host. Yeah. So from three to six, that's why you feel like, wow, it's really there's nobody on the road. There's everybody's sleeping. So your prayers go. Even the, the rabbis teach this huh. about that the, the prayers go up quicker and faster because of all the hustle and bustle of people awake and stuff that there's like interference. Yeah. But if you pray between three and six, most people are sleeping. There's not a lot of activity and your prayers shoot straight up to, to heaven. So very interesting. Yeah. You know, I think in like classic literature, they call it what the witching hour. Oh, I've heard of that, but I don't know what the time is. I don't either. Interesting. Don't either. It is interesting. All right. So. Uh, in verse 26, it says, And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. And so the word troubled here is the Greek word tarasso, the Strong's uh, 5015. And it means of uncertain affinity to stir or agitate royal water. Interesting, like when you have like sediment on the Agitation. bottom. Agitation. It's not up. boil, it's royal. Royal. To agitate. Cause waves. 
And that's what an earthquake is under the water. It's a tsunami. Right. Or tsunami is an earthquake. Yeah, 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 yeah. tsunami yeah. is an earthquake underwater. Yeah. Um, the word fear, which is the Greek word phobos, which is where we get phobia from, and it means to put in a uh, to put in fear, alarm or fright, to be afraid or terror. So it means fear. Um, so yeah, so th- the word phobos is where we get phobias. Right. An extreme or irrational fear of or aversion to something. An extreme or irrational fear fear of or aversion to something. I, I got something here that I thought was interesting that I documented. Um, ten common phobias. There is a tichyphobia, fear of failure. Mm. Then a Phobia, fear of death. Nasophobia, fear of developing a disease. Is that the fear of the Torah portion, Naso? Ooh, no. <laughs> that means count. Yeah. Arachnophobia, fear of spiders. Oh, yeah. Vehophobia, fear of driving. Claustrophobia, mm-hmm. fear of enclosed spaces. Acrophobia, fear of heights. That's kind of me. Aerophobia, fear of flying. So, anyway. Those are some phobias. Wow. I feel so that's what they're saying. Thanks you know. for the pep talk. I feel great. They now. were fearful of the storm and the waves, and yeah, I mean, oh yeah. Well, and and um, and we're gonna get into some more of of the the stuff behind that, right? So, what did Yeshua say to the disciples after they cried out for fear? Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. He said, he, "Be he of good cheer." Them, yeah. He saw them. Yeah. We were talking about that last night, and I was thinking, like, you know, God has a sense of humor. You know, because he didn't start with "it is I." He started with "be of good cheer." <laughs> yeah, I know you saw a spirit, and it's me. <laughs> <laughs> and so, how did Yeshua answer? I'm sorry. How did Peter, when he saw Yeshua, how did he answer Yeshua when he said "be of good cheer"? He's like, "Lord, if it be Thou, bid me come unto Thee on the water. Mm. Lord, if that's You, let me come to You. Yeah, I want to come to You out of the boat." Interesting. And so, what was Yeshua's response to Peter? He said, "Come." Come. It's all right. Come on. Come. (laughs) And so what did Peter do that was surprising? Well, he got out of the ship and walked on the water to go to Yeshua. Wow. Okay. So at first, you know, you think this is like this strange dialogue. So wait. So he's walking on the water. There's a storm. It's raining. I'm thinking of the winds and the waves tossing this boat, you know. And I imagine in my own personal mind when I'm imagining this is, they're like having to like kind of yell back and forth to be able to hear each other, you know? And so he says, be of good cheer. It is I, right? Don't be like, afraid. Yeah. He says, Lord, if it's you, tell me to come to you. And he says, all right, come on. If it's you, <laughs> not some other spirit, like a dead fisherman. And so Peter had enough faith to get out of the boat and walk towards Yeshua when Yeshua said to come. So that's, that's he interesting. He got out of the boat. They say don't rock the boat. He got out of it. He was like, I'm out. Um, now, this is a note that you put in here. I like this. So Perry Stone shares a story uh, about the fishermen and the Sea of Galilee. At the time of the disciples, they believed that a spirit walking on the water would have been a fisherman that had drowned. Right? So this is the spirit of a dead fisherman is what kind of they think in their, in their superstition. So this is why the disciples were troubled and cried out with fear because they did not recognize the spirit as Yeshua. I'm, and I'm imagining especially through the wind and the waves yeah. and the rain. And so this could be the reason why Peter got out of the boat to approach Yeshua, because he thought the boat was going to sink. Interesting. So, I mean, if the, if the boat is no longer a sense of security for him, right, then yeah. 
getting out of the boat might make sense, especially if Yeshua is walking on the water. Right. And so uh, it's interesting that, you know, because fishermen, especially like sea-bearing people, have sure always had some superstitions. superstitions yeah. yeah, like mermaids is all from a superstition, yeah. you know. Um, uh, the Kraken, you know. Sirens. Sirens. Um, Don't listen. <laughs> so there's uh, there's been over the thousands of years people that are of the sea you know have seen and heard things that were strange right that they can't explain and so then they put and build stories around them you yeah. know and so i don't think that the sea of galilee which i think at its widest point is what like 14 miles across i'm not sure that's a good uh, good trivia question so you mentioned like lake tiberius being another name for it so it is a giant lake essentially it um, is. but it's so big that they call it a the sea. jordan river feeds into it right exactly i was doing some of the um some of the geography last night, you know, and, and looking at Capernaum being on what, what, the river. So, so the Jordan River, does it go straight through it? North and south, yeah. So, it, so they do call it the northern branch. They call the Jordan River as well. Yeah. Okay. So on the west side of the Jordan River, on the north side of the Sea of Galilee is Capernaum. And then on, it's the, on the top. Right. And on yeah. the east side of the Jordan River is Bethsaida. So on either side of the Jordan River, you have two cities looking at each other on the north side of the Galilee. That's kind of interesting. Right? Let's say that it would be on the east side of Galilee. On the east side of the Galilee. Because yeah. I know Tiberius is on the west. Right, right, right. So, well, because Tiberius is going to be further south, though, than Capernaum. So I've got this little map here. So, yeah, Bethsaida on the east side. Up on the north, yeah, almost. Right? On, but that's it. I mean, they're on either side. They, there's two cities, if you look at them. They gotcha. Look, they look at each other across the Jordan. Gotcha. Capernaum was like his headquarters. On the north side of Capernaum. Yeah, exactly right. Gotcha. And then, um, yeah. We're is that where it. they were going? Um, or no? No. So this is another thing. We were trying to figure we, out. We're going to figure out where they're going later. We are, but we, we didn't know where he was coming from. Because if you look through the stories here that we're oh, reading. Oh, I see. Where, where he's coming from, we don't know. Well, because he was in Nazareth, yeah, right? There's Bethsaida right there. You're right. Yep. So he was in Nazareth when uh, that talks about how, you know, a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown. Right. Then John the Baptist dies and but he gets word of it then they feed the five thousand and now he's walking on the sea so uh we're not sure where he's coming from i don't know how nazareth plays into all of this but he's obviously gone into a wilderness right a desert a deserted area a place where there's not a city is what i'm assuming right because we want to put that and say it's it's a desert but i don't really know at the time of yeshua if in the galilee really there was a desert region right no, it's pretty fertile. It's pretty fertile. They're growing stuff around there, yeah. And so you have some plains here. So you have the plain of Gennesaret, and you have the plain of Bethsaida on either side. And so, again, I don't know where he went from and where he went to. I know that there's scholars that have different ideas of it and, and things like that. But, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not totally sure. Um, so he gets out of the boat, and he starts walking on the water as well. So there's this this moment where like wow he's he's doing he's it he's got he's locked and cocked he sees Yeshua he says if it's you tell me to come Yeshua says come he gets out of the boat he's walking yep. he's walking he said come but then we get to verse thirty see sometimes I wish we could just stop you know well, still he's a better man than me and so it says here in verse thirty but when he saw the wind boisterous he was afraid and beginning to sink he cried saying Lord save me boy we've all been there amen. Been at that point where, like, we've got a little bit of faith, but then, like, we step yeah, out. You got overwhelmed. I mean, I can understand that. Well, I think there's a point where you feel vulnerable. Like, like you step like, out in faith can and I now really you're walk vulnerable. on water. 
Right. He said, come, and I'm doing it. Now maybe he'd kind of waver like, well, I don't know if this is right or not. And then, Yeah. Well, I've heard also that, um, you know, for, for Peter, right? He was close to Jesus, too. Right. Because you'll see in the next verse. Yeah. Well, I, I kind of feel like he gets out, and, and he has his eyes on Yeshua, but the idea is that when he notices the wind and the waves, that's when he starts to fall. So if we keep our eyes on Yeshua... I've heard that, yeah. Keep eyes on him, we can walk on water. Then we can walk on water. And so in Matthew fourteen thirty one, it says this. And immediately... You, you got to do verse 30. I just did verse 30. That's where we're really? at. Yeah. He says, Lord, save me. Yeah. He says, if he falls into okay. the water, he sinks. He says, Lord, save me. Stretch forth his hand. Right. right. Now we're in verse 31. It says, and immediately <sighs> Jesus stretched yes. forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? Why did you doubt? Why? And Just so encouraging him. I'm deducing from this that he it was his doubt that caused him to sink. That's true. That's rough, right? Yeah. Boy, we're always our own worst. He does it more than once, though, doesn't he? He always. Oh, he says it several he times. He tells him, "Oh, you have little faith. Oh, oh, you, you've little got faith. some faith, but you need to work on that." Yeah. But see, this is a good little faith. spot for a King James Greater lesson. Faith. He says, "Oh, thou of little faith." Why? Because he's only talking to Peter. When he says ye of little faith, he's talking to a group. Because right. thee and thou is a singular form of you. Gotcha. And you and ye is the plural form wow. of you. Wow. See, today we just use the word you. And then here in the south, we say y'all. And up in the northeast, they say yous. Which, is a little, which to us who say y'all, we think that's strange, by the way. And of course, they think that y'all is strange too. All right, so when Peter's faith faltered, he reached out to Yeshua, the only one who could help. He was afraid... But he still cried out to Yeshua. When fear piles up against you in waves, causing you to doubt whether Yeshua is near or willing to help you, remember that he is always with you and is the only one who knows how to help you. And I would add, and is the only one truly able to help you. Amen. And that's a reality that we all have to let sink into our spirit. We got to get it. What in. does he say? He says, "Apart from me, you can do nothing." Yeah, it's John fifteen five. See, you know where it's at. Yeah, yeah. I'm the vine; you are the branches. Everyone's given a measure of faith. So, how do you increase your faith? You use it. How does faith come? Hearing. Hearing by the word of God. Hearing by the word of God. The shield of faith is able to do what? To quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. That's right. See, you know it. Yeah. That's some good stuff. Grow well, our shields, Lord. Grow our shields. Amen to that. So what happened after Yeshua and Peter got into the boat? The wind ceased. The wind ceased. So Yeshua is just like walking into the boat, and he's like, here, you know. I know. Everything Peter. that I think is a big deal is not. It's only a oh, big man. deal if you make it a big deal. Yeah, I saw a young man here at our church look like he got kicked in the stomach on Saturday. And I just tried to encourage him, and I told him, I said, listen, man, I remember being your age. And the things that I thought mattered today, I realize don't matter a lick. I mean, they don't, they, they so don't matter that yeah. it's just not even funny. And I'm just so thankful to what, God yeah, that's true. that he brought me through, you know, and got me to where I am. So the wind ceased when Peter and, and Jesus got in the boat. So that's, that's interesting because he has command of the wind and the waves. And he's like, listen, we got to talk. So he needs to like, here, can I turn down the volume? <laughs> the storms are going to come. <laughs> just like. The wind and rain are going to descend upon your house. Ooh. But what did you build it upon? Ooh, that's right. What did you build it upon? Build it on the, the rock. The winds and rain are coming. They are. They got to be built on his words. 
So here's verse 33. It's the last verse for our little section about Jesus walking on the water. And it says, Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of a truth thou art the Son of God. So the disciples worshipping Yeshua as the Son of God proves his deity. If Yeshua wasn't God in the flesh, he would not allow others to worship him. And this is based on the assumption that he's the Messiah. Because if he is truly the Messiah, but just a man, then he would not have allowed people to worship him. That's right? a good point. That's and, true. And even being God, because he knows he's a man and that he's the example for us, he was always still pointing people to the Father, saying, I can only do what the Father tells me to do. Worship the Father. Right. Pray to the Father in my name. That's true. You know? So it's interesting now because we got work to do. Yeah. The storms of life come, but we still have work to do. So in Matthew chapter 14, verses 34 through 36, Yeshua heals the sick at Gennesaret. Right. So where did Yeshua and the disciples end up when they had gone over? In the land of Gennesaret. In the land of Gennesaret. Gennesaret was located on the west side of the Sea of Galilee in a fertile, well-watered area. Interesting. That is. So you're trying to look at the direction now. So, okay, so if they went to Gennesaret, I can tell you that Gennesaret's on the west side of the Sea of Galilee. So were they on the other side of Galilee to go the other way? So or? they must have been on the Bethsaida side, I would assume. That's interesting, yeah. And when, and you know what? So another person, St. Mary, was telling us from the tour that she went on, when they say the other side, a lot of times they're talking about going from Bethsaida to Capernaum or from Capernaum to Bethsaida because you could walk and you'd have to cross the, the Jordan River, but it was easier to just hop in a boat and go from one to the other. Interesting. And so if he ended up in Gennesaret, that means that they bypassed Capernaum and went across to Gennesaret. Very good point. So here we have in Matthew 14, verses 35 and 36. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into all that country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment and as many as touched were made perfectly whole. Hallelujah. So they had to have an action. They had to actually reach out and touch him in order to be made whole, to be made perfect. Imagine that. You had to touch him. Yeah. It was a point of contact. It was by their faith, right? So Yeshua right. all through, you know, he, when people would say, if only you would speak the word, he'll be healed. If only so, I could touch you, I'd be healed. And, and also just remember, we're going to talk about this, uh, the, the garments. The people that touched the hem of Yeshua's garment that were diseased were made perfectly whole. The hem of his garment. Uh, the people were actually reaching for Yeshua's tassels that were located on the four corners of his robe. You can read about the commandment to wear tassels in Numbers 15, uh, verses 37 through 40, and in Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 12, uh, the zitzits, the tassels. So there was no really Greek word for yeah. tassels or zitzits. It was hem. So th they had to say they grabbed the hem of his garment. Yeah. Because they didn't have no you know, word to, to go into the Greek for I wonder if we have fringes. extra biblical sources that would, would verify tassels. that for us. Or like what the Septuagint, how the Septuagint translates tzitzit and so the tzitzits are for the person that's wearing them they're not for everybody else but right. because he had them you know if, if only I, I touch him you know the woman uh, there's this thing that, that, that the Messiah would have healing in his wings right. tzitzits are also I think referenced as wings yep. the corners of the garments the four corners like the four corners of the earth northeast south and west directional so grabbing the hem of his garment they were all made whole and uh, they were grabbing his tzitzits yeah, it, it makes you want to wear them so that people could grab them and get healing. 
Because if we no. are ambassadors of Yeshua, then people should be able to grab our tassels and get healing. Amen. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to look up something here real quick. Um, when I love the the scriptures about like the numbers 15, 37 through 40, you know, what is a zitzit but a reminder of God's covenant? It's for us because we're so prone to distraction and so prone to, you know, being wayward that it, God gave us like a, a commandment for the original, like, what would Jesus do bracelet to remind us that, you know, we need to keep the covenant in mind whenever we do anything. So why, why is this relevant for today, Ryan? I'm going to tell you, because here's the situation. They had to touch the hem of his garment yeah. to be healed. In Zechariah chapter 8, verse 23, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, In those days it shall come to pass that ten men shall take hold out of all languages of the nations, even shall take hold of the skirt of him that is a Jew, saying, We will go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. There's the ten lost tribes. Ten men shall take hold out of all the, of the nations, even shall take hold of the skirt of him that is a Jew, the zitzit, him the skirt. that is a Jew. That's Yeshua. Saying, we will go with you, for we have heard that God is with you, mm-hmm. the chosen people. Amen. So the ten men out of the nations represents the lost tribes hooking up with the Jewish people. What an incredible prophecy. And it's interesting that it's ten men out of the nations. I know. It's alluding to something really neat, that yeah. that there would be people that would come out of the nations that are Gentiles that would be drawn to Jewish people. That's us. That's you and I. I remember when I was talking to um, Jeremy Gimpel that one night when we interviewed him, and we were going through that scripture in Genesis 48 that talks about you know the fullness of the Gentiles or the multitude of nations, the prophecy over Ephraim. And I was asking him about, you know, how does he read it in Hebrew? Because his Bible is in Hebrew, and he's obviously Israeli and speaks Hebrew. Which one? Which verse? Uh, Genesis 48, where he, where he's, the prophecy is that Ephraim will become a multitude of nations. Oh, that's right. Malah Hagoyim. Malah Hagoyim. So, he, says, he, so he's, he showed me his water bottle. And he says, he says, you know what, Ryan, it's interesting because it, it's more mellow means to, you know, like, like this water bottle is mellow with water. It's filled with water. And so it's more like it's saying the nations will be filled with Ephraim, right? So Ephraim is going to come out of the nations because the nations are filled with Ephraim. So it's almost like Ephraim is being poured out of the nations, mm-hmm. right? And how cool is that? That it's just a, another understanding. Because I always assumed like, oh, these the nations are then descendant from Ephraim somehow. But it's not necessarily the case. It's just that the, the Ephraim is among the nations. They're among He's the out nations. out there scattered. They're, they're nations. Right. And the, they're the, people groupings. Right. Exactly. So what two points can be learned from Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 36? Well, my two points come from my daughter, Abigail, and she did a great job wow. during the study. I, she's, she's nine, and, um, and I was very proud of the two points that she came up with, and this is what, what the first <sighs> so one was. Nice. It says, when God tells you to do something, you should probably do it. It's most likely for a reason. So I liked that one. And then... Uh, the other one she came up with was, when you take your eyes off of God and look at the world, you will sink. I know. I was like, wow. And then, That's um, not good. No. No, it's not. No, and the last one was just about the word basat. Because um, in... 
right here in verse 36, you know, um, because they brought unto him all that were diseased, right? And then in 36, it says, and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And so besought is the past tense of beseech, right? And when you beseech someone, this is a, a fervent request. And this came from Tammy. Tammy's real into grammar and, and, and definitions of words and things like that. Very smart. And, um, and so she kind of illuminated that point that these people were coming and crying out to him in desperation. They beseeched him. They besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. Right? Like, Lord, let, I don't want, let me just touch the hem of your garment, and then I'll be, you know, I'm out. And I just thought that was a really cool point there that she made. So those are three points, but that's what I got for you. Well, that's really good. It is. Um, my two are, Yeshua went to lonely places to pray, and so should we. Amen to that. Yes, that's a good point. Uh, God's number, been working on me this yeah, week on that one. Yeshua went to lonely places to pray, and so should we. Number two, we not only have to face the storms of life, but he wants us to walk on water as well. I thought, wow, you know. Wow. <laughs> I know, I was thinking, you know, you, big point. you take a hit, and there's yeah. storms, and he's like, hey, walk on water. Yeah. Walk on water. Yeah, what's the problem? Walk on the water. Walk on water. Say, so, oh, is that the best you got, little wind machine? Huh? Walk on water. Yeah, I know. I thought, wow, that's like... Whew, I like, suppose if we keep our eyes on Yeshua, we won't even realize we're walking on water. You know what I mean? Like, like it's only when you realize, oh, this is a precarious position, <laughs> and then you fall. But is it really? If you're keeping your eyes on Yeshua, I guess not, right? I don't know. It's pretty amazing that we read these stories, and we can relate to our own lives now. Yeah. You want to pray us out? Yeah. Thank you. Gracious God, thank you so much for the example of Peter getting out of the boat, Lord. Uh, so many people have put their trust in you and gotten out of the boat, and you have literally reached down and saved them, even when our faith falters, God. And so we thank you so much for that. We thank you for that hand that reaches in and pulls all of us out of the water. We love you so much. We thank you that uh, we have your spirit within us, that you've given us your Holy Spirit, and that we don't have to be afraid because it is you that is with us and that we can call on your name for anything and that we can cry out to you whenever we need something. And so help us keep our eyes on you, the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who has all power and authority in heaven and on earth, God. We love you and we thank you in Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Amen. All right, if you need to reach out to Don't me. Don't forget to keep track of the book of Numbers. Uh, that's the right. Torah portions. Torah portions and numbers. Yeah, and you can go numbers. back and listen to previous episodes as well if you want to keep up with it that way. Um, my email is ryan at twopraise.net if you need anything specific and you don't want to put it in a comment on uh, YouTube or Facebook or something like that. And uh, if you uh, need to call the office for any needs, you can do that as well. We're here for you. We love you. You guys are good enough. Um, and we just hope that you're getting into the Word with us every week, week in and week out, as I know you are. So uh, bless you. Have a great week. <laughs>